2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to go to prayer, but I just, man, I, I just, I'll be honest, I just feel revival in my bones. I do. Uh, and, and services the last few weeks have just been brewing it, and we're praying for it, and I believe God's going to bring it. Uh, but we don't have to wait till April 20th to have revival. I believe every time we open up our hearts to the Lord, we have revival. Second Corinthians chapter 7, but we're going to pray differently. Father, thank you so much for your spirit. Father, we know we aren't saved by feelings. We're saved by faith in your word through your son, Jesus Christ. But I am thankful this morning that you are God that we can feel. Father, every aspect of this service has been drenched in your divinity, in your divine. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done and excited with the expectation of what you're about to do. Father, it's not us. Father, it's nothing to do with us. It's all about you. But Father, as Wendell said, we want to be a good representative of who you are. Father, as I preach for this little bit of time, just get me out of the way. Give me the lips. Give me the heart. Father, I believe the Holy Spirit uh, is in this message. So Father, anything that is accomplished, all glory and honor will be given to you because it's through you and by you that it could be accomplished. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. You are a good, good God. And you desire mercy this morning in all lives. Father, help us this morning. In your son's name we pray, and amen. If you're taking notes, read this with me. I'm going to say it. Real repentance brings real conversion. Say it with me. Real repentance brings real conversion. It's not a message often preached anymore. The, the message of repentance, the measure, the mention of conversion and a, a born again experience. But I'm thankful that one day in my life, I repented of all my, of all my sin. I repented of who I was and I took up the cross of Jesus Christ and my life was transformed from that moment. My life was transformed from that moment. Look with me at verse five of chapter seven, second Corinthians. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side, without were fightings, and within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Look at verse 9 and 10 with me. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Let us pray. I already prayed. Father, I just feel like I go to you again. Uh, you know every heart here this morning. Father, I just want to make sure we're prayerful in all this. Uh, you do a work that you needs to be done. Father, I believe you've already prepared this message before people even came in this morning. You've already settled hearts. You've already opened hearts. So do a work right now in your son's name we pray and amen. Uh, these old phones, uh, nowadays the big thing, um, 
on social media is uh, Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook. Uh, you know, they, everybody does the selfies nowadays. I'm guilty of it as well. But now with social media, they come with a, 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 a huge line of what they call filters. And these filters can turn a horrible picture into a very good picture. <laughs> it can uh, add different lighting and different shadowing, and it can take away wrinkles, and it can add eyelashes even. They can do all kinds of stuff with these filters. For the simple fact that sometimes when we see the picture that we take, uh, we're just not pleased with it, right? <laughs> That's really why we have filters, because we see the, the bare naked truth of who we are sometimes. We say, we need to add something to that. But can I say for a moment this morning that God has a picture of who we really are? Beyond the filters, beyond the, the, everything that we see on the outside, beyond the suits, beyond the, beyond the dresses, beyond the makeup, beyond anything, and He sees our heart. And I have to ask that question to myself, is God pleased with what He sees? Is God pleased with what He sees? In this sermon this morning, God is dealing with me on repentance and on true conversion. And I'm talking about people who've been coming to church for 20 and 30 years, but have never truly repented, have never truly been converted, never truly been uh, had a born-again experience. And we uh, too often, and even recently, I think of individuals... Uh, that have, that, uh, I saw fruit in their life and sure enough, they've, they've dropped out of sight or maybe been swallowed up in some, you know, some false doctrine or, or through the deceitfulness of this world and through sin and they fall away and you ask yourself, was the conversion real? Was the repentance real? And then I think of those that have never repented ever. That have never ever uh, heard the gospel message. That have never realized that they need a born again experience. Because I'm glad this morning, I'm grateful this morning, and I'm quickly reminded through His Word this morning that God is the judge of our conversion. God is the judge of our conversion. Not me, not your mother, not your grandfather, but God sees you for who you really are. He sees if that blood has been applied to your life. He's concerned, and, and that's why we need to be concerned about our own conversion before we can ever be concerned with someone else's conversion. We need to be concerned about what we look like from the inside. What's been done in our life? Has there been a moment in our time when we've been born again? It'd be like, to be instance, to, to see someone drowning in a pool or a lake and say, well, I'll save them, but to not know how do you swim to swim yourself. It's just going to hurt more people that way. But we need to be, we need to understand first our own heart because sometimes we see on the outside of people, but the fact of the matter is we cannot see someone else's heart. And we can examine our own conversion, our own repentance when we take time to honestly judge ourselves, the real us, the ones that nobody else knows, the ones that only God knows against the standard, which is Jesus Christ and His Word. This word makes me measure up every single day. The Holy Spirit of God makes me measure up each and every day. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8 with me for a moment. I'm going to try to get as basic as I can on the facts about conversion. The facts about repentance. I cannot understand a doctrine in any church from any preacher that asks that we would draw closer to the Lord but to not speak about repentance. Repentance is the turning away of self and the drawing nearer to the Lord. Nobody talks about Holy Spirit conviction anymore. 
And what we've done in the world is every time a preacher preaches conviction, we get the interpretation of our flesh and through the world of condemnation. No, 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 I'm not talking about condemnation. I've said this many times before. Condemnation says you're guilty, get far away from me. But conviction says you're guilty, get real close. See, that's the thing we have in Jesus Christ. He knows us for who we really are. And it says in Romans that he commended his love for us. That how? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God showed his love. Not when we were perfect, not when we were holy, but when we were sinful, wicked. Romans chapter 8, look at this with me. As basic as it gets about being about a conversion, about a repentance, because I have to ask myself that question, that to be a Christian, does it really just simply mean that I said a little prayer? That I just simply said, yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord over my life. Is it just a few words to kind of dust our hands of it and say, all right, I'm good. It's my insurance policy. It's my four-leaf clover. It's my lucky rabbit's foot, so to speak. Yeah, I said a prayer when I was 12 or I said a prayer when I was 21. But to have a born-again experience, to turn away from who we were into, into, into to yearn for who God has called us to be, I find Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 16, the most basic principle of what it means to be saved. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Understand that with me. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enemy with against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then that we are, that they are in the flesh cannot please God. No amount of spiritual filters, no amount of money in the tithing plate, no matter how many gospel tracks, gospel musics you've read or listened to, But the fact is that if you are living according to the flesh, you cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, it says, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, this is a promise of God's word, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, those verses right there tell me a few things, actually four things that tell me if I'm a Christian or not. In fact, will tell you if you're a Christian or not. First off, it says that a non-Christian person, a non-believer, is not subject to God's law. And to put it another way, a Christian is subject to God's law. 
to the Word of God, the commandments of God. If you're someone here today and you're not living for the commandments of God, I ask you this morning, have you truly had a born-again experience? If you're here this morning and the things that God's Word tells you, you say, I just can't do it and I won't do it. I want to ask you this morning, have you truly repented? Have you truly been born again? Because it says right here that we are subject to God's law. And they're not grievous. They were when I was immature in the flesh. When I first got saved, yes, yeah, surely there were things that were hard to do. But I got around some right-minded people, got away from people that didn't have my, my spiritual interest in hand, and I got right with the Lord, and I began one by one taking away things in my life that needed to be rid of. Because God's Word said so. Second, we see here that to be one of his children, to be considered one of his, we have to have the Holy Spirit in us. And when we have that Holy Spirit in us, it says in those verses that we are in the Spirit. In the Spirit, meaning we will do those things that God's Spirit calls us to do. If you've never been born again, you don't have the Spirit of God living in you. And the Spirit of God is, once again, that adoption it talks about, that we've been received of Him. It is the receipt of our conversion. Our heart has been transformed, and the receipt is that we have a Holy Spirit in us. Like Wendell saying, when you got there, it wasn't you that was saying, man, I should have been praying. It was the Holy Spirit being stirred up in us to say, man, this is what I ought to do. A third thing we see in Romans 8, a, a, a symbol, a, a, I believe a characteristic of a true conversion, of true repentance, is someone that's living in the Spirit is endeavoring to put things to death in the deeds of the body. If you're a Christian today and you are not striving to overcome sin in your life, I want you to ask yourself, did you really have a born-again experience? To truly try to overcome sin... On a daily basis, folks, it's not easy. Paul says, I die daily. Once again, he says, I beat my body and keep it under subjection. This is what we're called to do as a Christian. But this is a characteristic that we're trying to overcome sin. We're trying to put down things that were evil and things that are of human nature and try to pick up things that are not of this world, but things that we see that are eternal. And the fourth thing, and I'll start preaching right here. The fourth thing I see, a characteristic of Romans chapter 8, we see in verse 16, that God's Spirit bears in us a witness. A witness. A testimony. I'm not saying you got to be a preacher. I'm not saying you got to teach Sunday school. I'm not even saying you got to stand up and testify. But when you got saved, there ought to be a testimony in you. There ought to be a witness in you to the world that you've had a born-again experience. So if you've been here this morning, I'm just preaching to you for a second. Bear with me. I try to do it as delicately as I can. But if you've never spoken of what God's done in your life, I doubt you've been saved. To never have shared with anyone how you went from death to life. How all your sins, this massive debt that you had before God, was wiped clean. And you've never shared that with anyone? Romans 8 says, the Spirit bears witness in us. Why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 11.
As you're turning there, I want to read one verse to you out of Acts chapter 2, 37 through 39. Now, when they heard this, this is speaking of Peter at Pentecost, and he had just got done uh, speaking this wonderful sermon. It says in verse 37, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were pricked in their heart. They heard the message and the gospel preached. And they said to him, what shall we do? How do we remedy this issue that we have in how we're living? Look what Peter says in verse 38. Very simple, yet so complex. So simple. He says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Said you were the only ailment for this pricked heart, because once again, we know, and we try to cover it up as we do with the pictures, but we know our sinful self. We know that we need them to make this thing right before God, before it's everlasting too late. And when these men they're pricked in their heart, they say, What do we do? It's easy, repent. Just turn away. Turn away from everything you thought and rely on the finished work of Calvary. Acts 3 and 19, before we talk about Acts 11, Acts 3 and 19, he says it again. Peter also says this as he's preaching on Solomon's porch. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Be changed, be transformed. Remember he told Nicodemus, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So now Acts chapter 11 verse 19. Now that they were... Acts eleven nineteen. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. That word, turned unto the Lord, in the Greek is the same words used in Acts 3 and 19 for the word converted. So a great many believed and turned to the Lord, or we could say a great many believed and were converted and were converted then tidings verse 22 then tidings of these things came out of the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem and they sent forth Barnabas uh, that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. I love that in verse 23. And this is why I want to talk about this. He sees that many were turned. Many believed. A great number. So then they send Barnabas. And it says that he exhorted them. He lifted them up. He, he taught them that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. 
The ones that had believed that they would cleave. Now, what does cleave mean? To hang on to. It says in the Genesis story that a man would leave his, uh, a woman would leave her parents and cleave to her husband. This is what we see in the creation story. But that's what I want to say in my next point. Not only do we see repentance, real repentance for real conversion for a first time believer. You got to repent and you must be born again. That's how the conversion happens. But I cannot tell you this. The problem in so many churches today is there are Christians that are not cleaving to the Lord. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm saying repentance still is a key factor in a Christian's maturity. Repentance for a Christian. The problem we get is we get saved, we wipe our hands, and we're heading to heaven. But the problem is you're still living in this flesh, and this flesh has to die every single day. And what I find the most times that I've matured in my walk with the Lord and when repentance and my conversion go hand in hand uh, as, as a Christian. As I mature, repentance is still a key factor. Theodore Epp once said this, It is a shame for a person to have been a Christian for years, but not to have advanced beyond the knowledge of their salvation. Oswald Chambers once said this, Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by the obedience to the will of God. Some people mature into an understanding of God's will more quickly than others because they are obey more readily. They are more readily sacrificed the life of nature to the will of God. Man, that's good. Old fairy tale, not a fairy tale, but an old nursery rhyme. Used to read when I was a kid. Remember it? Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been in London to visit the king. Pussy queen, pussycat, pussycat, what did you do there? I frightened the little mouse under the chair. I think of the same thing as so many Christians today, that we have an opportunity to stand in the midst of the presence of the king, and yet we are, we are just dealing with these trivial things, things that have no meaning when it comes to eternity. No meaning. I have it on my wall. When I first uh, got the position here and took it, I had uh, someone, uh, Tammy Hansen and Bobby Hansen had someone make this sign for me that literally was a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. It says, keep me, keep me eternity conscious. Keep me eternity conscious. Every single day, I can either be weighed down to things that do not matter, just chasing mices from under the chair, or I can realize that I need to draw closer to the Lord. And every day, I want to repent of self. I want to die to self every day. I think it's key, and we see it throughout Scripture, and we'll close out in just a second. But I want to say this. I don't think we can say it enough. Hebrews chapter 5, 13 and 14. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. See that? It doesn't say skillful. It says unskillful. For he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even to those who reason by their senses, exercise to discern both good and evil. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. One more verse. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? I believe this is a process that we continually being conformed. There is a moment in time when we, when we are converted and we are born again, when we truly repent of our sins and we're changed from that moment, sealed to the day of redemption. But after that begins this process of God starting to mold us, as Philippians 1 and 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will complete it on the appearing of Jesus Christ. He's working. And repentance is a product of that process. And if you're a Christian and you've not repented of things, once again, I know people that are in high positions that say, well, I'll ask forgiveness when, whenever I do something wrong. That's not a good characteristic. Every day we have to, to die to self. Every day we need to purify ourselves. But I want to go back. I want you to turn to me to 1 John chapter 1. Give an invitation off this message. Because listen... I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I say it as Paul said it in the key verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, though I made you sorry with a letter. I'll say this, for though I made you sorry with a sermon, I do not repent. I'm not. I do not repent, though I did repent. For I received the same epistle have made you sorry, though it were but for a season. I want God to prick your heart this morning. I want you to question your conversion. Is there a reality in it? Do you know with infinite dis- description, I have been born again. If you could, if you can say that, praise God. Praise God. But if you can't, if there's no fruit there, if there's no product there, if you truly never repented of your sins, if you truly never been born again, I'm telling you that I want God to prick your heart. I want you to have that godly sorrow that leadeth to salvation. Lead it to repentance and leads to salvation. But First John chapter 1, if this don't get you, nothing will. And we're going to give him an invitation. Because I believe revival's coming. But more importantly than I believe revival's coming, I believe the Lord's coming. And he says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but not willing that any should perish. But look, but all should come to repentance. Everybody. Everybody needs to have a moment in their life when they bow their knee, but more importantly, bow their heart and say, God, I'm sorry. You're right, I'm wrong. You are everything you said you would be and more. And I repent of who I was. I repent of all my sins. And Father, I want you to come live in my heart. It's really that simple, but it's got to be sincere. It's got to be from the heart. But look what 1 John chapter 1 says. Son, if you don't mind, play something softly. That which was from the beginning, which ye have heard which ye have seen with our eyes, which ye have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you, that eternal life, that which the Father, which the Father and was manifested unto us, that which ye have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship 
is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write, we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not know the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Folks, listen to this. I want you to actually go ahead and stand right now as I read these last two verses. This last verse right here. Verse number nine puts it all in perspective. The pricking of the heart, the sweaty palms, the, the heart that's racing the questions that are stirring in our mind. He says there's no darkness in them. And it says, but if we, and if, we, if we say we have fellowship with Him, but we walk in darkness, then we don't know the truth. If we say we have no sin, well, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Man, what, man, what power in those verses, but nothing like verse 9. If we confess our sins... If we repent, if we just bow our knee and bow our heart, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Never been a moment in your life when you've ever confessed of your sins, never believed in your heart. Romans says if we would confess with the mouth and believe with the heart that Christ was raised from the dead, that we shall be saved. Invitation simple as that. Real repentance brings about real conversion. What an opportunity this morning to make things right. To take all the filters off. To see us for who we really are. Sinners in need of God's amazing grace. And I can tell you, I am a product of that grace. And I am continually becoming more and more productive with that grace. How about you this morning? You ever had that born again experience? Ever had that repentance that Paul talks about? Ever bowed your heart and said, God, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me from all my unrighteousness? Would you save me? I can tell you right now, he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for me, what he's done for Pastor Delbert, and what he's done for the countless that are here this morning, he'll do for you if only you allow him. James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to the God and he will draw nigh to you. That's all it is. As we give an invitation, listen, the altar is always open. You've already seen it being used this morning. We want you to use it right now and make things right. Let's be real. Let's be honest. It takes a born-again experience to be saved. It takes a true conversion to be saved. Have you had that this morning? All right.